You're listening to audio from Ascend Church. For more information about Ascend or to access more gospel-centered tools to grow as a disciple of Christ, visit ascendkc.org. Luke chapter 2 is an opportunity for us to reflect on the birth of Christ. And you know, a few weeks ago, I introduced Advent and I said there's debate, hot debate, as to when preparing for celebration of Christmas should start. For some people, it's October 1st, others October 31st, for some it's January 1st. But we debated that, and I had some fun interactions with you all after that service. But like this, celebration has come and gone, hasn't it? I mean, just think about all of the preparation that goes into celebrating Christmas. There's there's the preparation of of shopping lists, and many of us last minute. (laughs) There's the preparation of wrapping, and isn't it amazing that all of those hours of wrapping can get relegated to a pile of trash in seconds? There's preparation by some of you for the pain that Christmas is, pain of lost loved ones, pain of loneliness, preparation for celebration. But there's also preparation for celebration through food, and this is something that I got to experience a little bit more firsthand because I had the week off this week, for the most part, and I got to spend time with my wife in the kitchen, and I got to see all of the ingredients that come together to be able to put together the delicacies that are unique in the Christmas dinner celebrations. I saw unique ingredients that went into a pan and had to sit for a number of hours that became the glaze that would coat the ham that was delicious in the Terrell house. I saw the unique flour bags that are not wheat flour because of our gluten-challenged family. And I got to see all of those ingredients come together to be able to produce what our family declared to be the greatest Christmas celebration dinner our family has experienced. But ingredients are important. Ingredients of celebration are important. And friends, what we have the opportunity to do this morning is to be reminded of the fact that the celebration of Christmas is not exclusively reserved to one date on a calendar. The celebration of Christmas is a celebration that should last throughout the year, throughout every moment, because the celebration of Christmas is not exclusively about the events of a baby in a manger. The celebration of Christmas is about celebrating the abiding presence of God in his people. And so I endeavor this morning to provide five ingredients that if you will participate in them, you will be able to celebrate Christmas all year long. The first ingredient is found in the verses of Luke 2, 15 through 17, as well as verse 20. It is the ingredient of priorities. The ingredient of priorities. It says in verse 15, when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, And we see a group that is the focus of these verses, that is a group that was going about their routine, going about their profession. 
The profession of shepherding in the Old Testament was actually a profession that was revered. Abraham was a shepherd. Many of the saints and the patriarchs were shepherds. The profession of shepherds was something revered in the Old Testament. In fact, the greatest king of Israel was himself, in his origin story, a shepherd. But by the time you get to the time of Jesus' birth, shepherds were relegated to the bottom of the totem pole of professions. In fact, some rabbinical lists of the lower end of society involve tax collectors, we would expect that, dice players, interesting, and shepherds. These shepherds were going about a profession that was at the low end of the economic hierarchy. But they were doing their job. They were doing it dutifully. It says in verse 8 that they were out in the fields at night keeping watch over their flock by night. Now, I will just say that by historical reference, in fact, you can go to John 10 later on and see this, that shepherds would corral their sheep at night. That is going to be important as we unpack the narrative. They would have gathered their sheep. In fact, the paintings that show shepherds with sheep scattered in the fields is probably not historically accurate. They would have rounded up their sheep in a pen, in a fenced-in area with one door access. And that would be important as we see the shepherds unpack their priority. They say to one another, what amazing angels these were. What a supernatural presence we experienced. Hey, that was pretty cool. Let's go back to our profession. That's not what it says. It says, let us go. Let us go to Bethlehem. Let us see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And it says they went with haste. Friends, what we see here is priority. We see professionals leaving their sheep. Now, most likely, they left one of their shepherds at the door, which he would have been able to guard and defend effectively. But something triggered them. Something moved them to move beyond the priority of their profession, of their daily, of their routine. They went with haste. And they found Mary, Joseph, and the baby lying in the manger. Christianity can be very formulaic, can it? We go to church on Sundays. We read the Bible from time to time. We pray before meals and maybe before we go to bed if we're really feeling spiritual. Christianity can become formulaic. And we're heading into that time of the year when we make resolutions, and many Christians will make resolutions that they need to do one of these formulas better, right? I need to go to church more. I need to read the Bible more. I need to pray more. But friends, priorities are not about activities. Priorities are about value. What was the value that moved these shepherds from the routine to an action? 
What were the values that these shepherds placed on something or someone that moved them to a place of haste to activity? It was a message that the angels had given them. Look at verse 11. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Beloved, if you want the ingredient of priority to be in your life so that you can celebrate Christmas all year long, these three titles of Jesus must be focused on in your life. It says in verse 11 that this baby was born Savior. Savior. Friend, inherent in this title of Jesus is an understanding that you have of yourself, your need, and God. If you want in 2022 to be able to celebrate Christmas all year long, you must be reminded of the fact that you need a Savior. That you are not someone who does sin, but you are a sinner. That is who you are by nature. That is the dark shadow that is your heart. And until you get to a place where that is owned by you, you will not be able to celebrate Christmas all year long. A savior is provided for your dark heart. It is provided for your sinful nature. That savior will save you. Save you not just from your sin, but from the wrath of the God of the universe who spoke all that we can see into existence, who wrote the story that we have been singing about. This God demands justice. And the justice is your condemnation and my condemnation in eternal hell. We desperately need a savior. And so when the angel said to the shepherds, to you is born a savior, this moved them to action. This is a priority in their life that this moment they realized we need this. We need him. But it also says, not just is he a savior, he's also Christ. Friend, if you want to be able to celebrate Christmas all year round, you must make priority the reading and understanding and application of God's word. His name is not Christ because it fits neatly into the word Christmas. His name and title is Christ because of a fulfillment of a prophecy. That prophecy is Genesis 3.15. There will be a seed of the woman. That seed would crush the serpent's head, destroy evil, overcome what had fractured creation and bring it all back to restoration. This is the Christ that the prophets spoke of. This is the Christ whom Paul says that in him all promises of God are yes and amen. That whom Solomon said, all of this world will not satisfy, only he will satisfy. This is the Christ. And unless you are immersing yourself in his word, 
Unless you are looking for Him as you read. Unless you are looking to understand the Scriptures as the dots connect and looking to understand and apply, you will not be able to celebrate Christmas all year long. Then it says, He is the Lord. Friends, the, the, the title Lord is not something that we use a whole lot here in America. But it means someone who is supreme. Someone who is sovereign. Someone who has authority over you. And we Americans don't love that, do we? I have authority in my life. I'm autonomous. I have rights. Southern for rights. Friends, it's important for us to remember that if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, if you are considering the claims of Christ, if you want to experience the benefits of the gospel of Jesus Christ, he must be Lord, King, Commander of your life. And so, friend, if 2022 is going to be a year of celebrating Christmas all year long, you must have priorities. It is the value that you place on someone that moves you to action. Will the priority of your life be the one who is Savior, Christ the Lord? The second ingredient is the ingredient of analysis. The ingredient of analysis. There's two responses. The shepherds share what they saw. They made it known to the crowds in Bethlehem as they made their way back to the fields. And look at verse 18. All who heard it wondered. Do You see the word there. The word means to be amazed for a moment, to be impacted for a moment, to be useful for a moment. In contrast, verse 19 says, Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. The words that describe Mary's response are storing something for ongoing access. I'm going to make an attempt because this, this may or may not be a resolution for me as a preacher in 2022. I like to give baseball illustrations and movie illustrations. So I'm branching out. We'll see how this goes. My wife tells me that there are oils in the kitchen that are of certain use. There are some oils that are used to condition wood. We have oils like that. Apparently, they're kept in a very safe place in our pantry, of which I do not know the location. They come out from time to time to be able to condition wood products like the charcuterie board that we got in Bucharest, Romania. We come, it comes out very rarely, but it comes out and it has use, but it doesn't have ongoing use that requires excess. And then there are other oils, cooking oils. These oils are out on a wood feature to the right of our stove. They are right there. We can have constant access to them. We have actually accessed them regularly to oil the skillet as we get ready to make eggs. The difference between these two oils is the difference with the analysis of the people and Mary. Some people look at the gospel of Jesus Christ like that conditioning oil. 
And they bring it out from time to time when they think that they need it, when they are perhaps desperate, when maybe they need a a booster or a, a shot of spirituality in their life. But friends, if that's how you view the gospel of Jesus Christ, then you will not be celebrating Christmas all year long. And it may reveal that you're not a follower of Christ after all. The gospel is not an oil to be tucked away in a remote area of the pantry. The gospel is intended to be a place where we treasure it, where we ponder it, where it is regularly accessible to us. This is the ingredient, beloved, that Mary put on display. It's the ingredient also that the shepherds put on display. Look at verse 20. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God. These are present verbs, meaning this is characteristic of them. These are patterns. This is not just an action that is a snapshot. This is not just something that they used quickly. It is something that they had as an ongoing pattern of their life as they went back to the fields and the sheep were there in the pen and they took them out the next day and they fed them and they put them in the fields. They were worshiping and they were praising. Friend, how will you analyze the gospel of Jesus Christ? Will it be put on a shelf from time to time to be accessed? Or will it be put out on display in your life, regularly interacting with it? The third ingredient is faithfulness. It's faithfulness. You know, I have a friend who is a godly man. He is further down the field in life than I am. He is well off. In fact, the job that he has right now, he says, pays him more than what he ever could imagine, and he says he doesn't need it. And I'm like, what's that like? He has toys. He can go have fun. He can have vacations whenever he wants. And so I have been tempted to want what my friend wants or what my friend has. And as he counsels young people in marriage and as he prepares them for marriage, as he prepares them for life, his counsel to them is counsel that he's given me for many years. And that is, Jeff, listen, you don't achieve these things in life overnight. These things in life are accomplished through faithfulness through career pursuits that work, through career pursuits that don't work, through lessons that you learn. And instead of being derailed and giving up, you actually get better through them. Faithfulness is something in life that takes time, but faithfulness in the spiritual realm takes time as well. And faithfulness is on display in the characters of this story. Look at verse 21. At the end of eight days... When Jesus was circumcised, he was called Jesus. In most of your Bibles, verse 21 is offset from the paragraph ahead, and it's a two-line maybe in your Bible's paragraph. It seems like it is just a, a throwaway passage. It seems like it's the details that are interesting, but we get to the bigger paragraph that follows, and we might be tempted to go right through this, but the details of how Mary and Joseph fulfilled the requirements of the Mosaic Covenant and the Abrahamic Covenant reveal faithfulness and actually produced benefit. 
Verse 21 says the end of eight days he was circumcised. This is actually command that God gave Abraham. It's actually a command that God gave to the Jews with the Mosaic Covenant. And what this did is it ensured that Jesus would be rightfully associated with Abraham. That Jesus would have a rightful claim to the promises of Abraham. That Jesus, at this point, would come under the Mosaic Covenant. This would be extremely important. But then look what it says. It says that they called his name Jesus at the eight-day point. And we can learn by looking at how Zechariah responded when the people came to him and asked what his son was to be named. And he wrote down that his name was to be John. That there was a ceremony, that there was a formality, that after eight days there would be a name by which a boy and a child would be registered, and this particular boy would be registered by a name that other boys had been named, Yeshua. It means Jehovah saves. But this boy would fulfill that name like no other. This actually was Jehovah. And he actually would save. It says in verse 22, when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. Look at verse 24. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of Lords, a, uh, the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now, why is this phrase important? Because it lets us know that these parents were poor, that these parents were peasants, that these parents were fulfilling their duties and the details of their lives faithfully. And what they were doing, beloved, is they were performing this with all that they had. There were others at that temple, there were others producing animals for sacrifice that were much more expensive that would have been much more visibly appealing. But Joseph and Mary were faithful with whatever they had been given. You know, this morning I had the opportunity to just pray before I got here. And I got to tell you, I'm coming into the end of the year on fumes. I listened to John MacArthur yesterday and I was reminded how unskilled I am and how skilled others are. I began considering these and realizing how inadequate I was, and I prayed Romans 12, 1 and 2, that I wanted my body, my, I wanted my skills, I wanted my gifts to be presented as a living sacrifice to my God. I'm, I'm pushing all my chips on the table, and, and I've only got one chip left. That's what Mary and Joseph had. They had one chip left, and they gave it all. They were faithful. But then, there's another individual, verse 25, we're introduced to that we don't have a whole lot of details about. It says, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. Surely, there were many men in Jerusalem at this time by the name of Simeon. But the details that are given here home in on this concept of faithfulness. Look at what it says in verse 25. This man was righteous and he was devout. He was faithful. 
His righteousness was surely on display by the sacrifices. His righteousness was on display surely by his rhythm of faithfulness to the Mosaic law. But there was something else that motivated his faithfulness. Remember when I was in college and email came out. Yes, that dates me a little bit. Remember getting on the computer and being amazed that you could actually type up a message and send to anywhere in the world within seconds. Email has become part of our lives, hasn't it? Many of you probably checked your email this morning. Maybe some of you right now are checking your email. Shame on you. (laughs) But from time to time, we'll get emails that we just look and we can see by their subject that we don't need to read them, the advertisements. Others of them are intriguing, like the one that I received this last week. It came from a government official over in Africa. You know where I'm going with this. Who said that for some reason their government budget was underspent and overfunded. And they found our church. And they wanted to give to us millions of dollars. And I'm looking at our building and I'm thinking, hmm, we could be debt free. They said, all you have to do is wire us, send us your bank account information. We will wire you the money. And guess what I did? Delete. (laughs) Why? Because I didn't value the source. I knew enough about the source that I knew that there was nothing behind that. And beloved, sometimes I think we can get to a place in our lives where we head into a new year and we say, I've got to be more faithful. I've got to be more faithful. And again, we focus on the actions. We focus on the activity. But Simeon was not focusing on the actions. He was focusing on something else. Look at what it says. It says verse 26, the end of verse 25, he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. He was waiting on the promises of his God. It had been revealed, verse 26, to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. I love this. Friends, Simeon's faithfulness was motivated by God's faithfulness. Mary and Joseph's faithfulness was motivated by God's faithfulness. Friends, if you want to have the ingredient of faithfulness, thank God it does not depend on you. Amen? I can endeavor to be a faithful preacher in 2022. If it's left to me, I'm going to fail. But if I am resolved to be motivated by the faithfulness of God that he never changes as we sing, that he is the rock that he is the alpha, the omega, that he is bringing to completion his plan despite what it looks like around us. When we are motivated by the faithfulness of God, friend, we will be faithful. And that is an ingredient that is necessary to be able to celebrate Christmas all year long. The fourth ingredient is the ingredient of contentment. The ingredient of contentment. Verse 28, look at what Simeon does. He takes Jesus up in his arms and he blesses God and says, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace. 
For my eyes have seen your salvation. Again, consider, if you will, how a Jew would have considered these terms. Salvation for individuals, but also salvation for God's people. As they entered the temple, they would have seen Roman guards. As they would have entered the temple to give their alms and their tithes and offerings, their budget would have been impacted by the tax collectors in Jerusalem. So for Simeon to say, this child I'm holding in my arms, I've now seen your salvation. That's awesome. And then he says that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples. That's significant. You know, oftentimes in the Bible, we we take for granted when the authors of Scripture talk about the world. When John says in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, we're like, oh yeah, we, we get that. That was groundbreaking for the ancient world. Because every people had their own religion. And that religion and those gods were unique to those people. So for a God to transcend ethnic boundaries, for a God to transcend economic boundaries, for a God to transcend all of these boundaries that were set up by human beings was mind-boggling for people. And that's what Simeon says in verse 32. He's a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for Israel. Marvelous. Light was extremely important in the Old Testament. There weren't smartphones that you could use in a dark room to be able to light the the room up. There weren't switches that you could flip that would illuminate everything in the room. Light was extremely important. Without light, life could not function. And so this child is going to be light for all people's. That's why in verse 33, Jesus' father and his mother marvel at what was said about him. And even greater than a web-slinging superhero, that was an awesome movie, by the way, greater than any hero that human minds have ever been able to create, is this baby that is now marveling Mary and Joseph, that is marveling Simeon. And and at this point, don't you think that Simeon might pray, and God, give me a few extra years, because I want to see this thing unfold. He says, you now allowed me to depart in peace. That is contentment. What is contentment based on? Well, I hope you can see a a common theme. Okay, I'm not going to go to baseball, but I am going to go to sports. Uh, We've got some friends that we've been connecting with over the last year, and one of them is a soccer coach, and uh, there's a soccer player in these families, and we've had conversations with them where uh, they've talked to us about soccer. (sighs) But, but I will tell you that when they share so- about soccer with me, I'm, I'm actually intrigued. And the value that they place on it, their expertise, their ability to be able to understand the nuances actually raises the, the needle of value for me with soccer above zero. 
But, but this morning, I was preparing the word. And I heard, dun, 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 dun. and there was a, a, an alert on my phone. And it was Travis Kelsey. And I started reading the details. Is he going to play? Is he not going to play? As I went out to the website, there were updates on the uh, Premier League in England of soccer. Flip, 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 flip. Now, now, why do I share that? Many of you who care about sports, especially those you are wearing Chiefs jerseys right now, you knew as well as I did, Kelsey's not playing. Why? Because we value the Chiefs. We value the potential of another Super Bowl ring. We value what that could mean to Kansas City. Students value it because they could miss a day of school. We value things, and those that love soccer, I'm growing. Give me time, give me grace, continue to evangelize me. But, but you read those scores because you value it. And friends, the, the contentment that Simeon was putting on display for his life. You know, the older I get, the more I realize life does not forever last here on earth. Grandparents die. Parents get older. We lose hair. We start seeing spots show up on our skin. Life does not last forever here on earth. And we, we want to hold on to it, don't we? we? We try to eat better so that we can extend our lives. We try to have comforts in our lives so that we can enjoy our lives. We, we don't want our lives to end. And some of us can make an idolatry of it. But Simeon, toward the end of his life, said, I'm content. Why? Because the value that he placed on God. You know, friend, if you consider the opportunity to celebrate Christmas all year long, you've got to get to a place where you value God above everything. It's very easy for me to get distracted by the world, the things that I enjoy the Fox Sports updates. And them in and of themselves are not wrong, but when they get strung together as a pattern that influences my thinking, when they get strung together to be a pattern that takes up the majority of my time and crowds out the pursuit of knowing God more, that's when things are upside down. You know, I'm a theologian. I was confronted with that as I had conversations with my family this last week. I'm not a feely person, I'm not an emotional person. There's nothing wrong with that, but that's just not how I'm wired. I want to know truth. I want to know what God says about himself. I want to know the, how the dots connect in Scripture. I want to study Leviticus. I want to study the minor prophets. I want to see how they point us to Christ. I love that. And even in that, you can see how emotion does get elicited. But friends, if you want to be able to get to a place in your life, if you want to be able to get to a place where you can be content, I, I'm going to give you the red pill. The red pill that will allow you to be able to celebrate Christmas this whole year through. The red pill that will be able to grow your contentment in this life is this. Get to know God's character more deeply. 
study theology this year. Grab a systematic theology. Grab a book that grows your understanding like A.W. Tozer's The Pursuit of God. Like J.I. Packer's Knowing God. If you want something that will stretch you, but is also attainable, get Desiring God by John Piper. But friend, do not be content with your understanding of God's character. In 2022, resolve that you will pursue an understanding of God's character that will make you feel uncomfortable. And if you want to know an area that will do that, because it's done that for me, study the doctrines of grace, total depravity, unconditional election, limited or effectual atonement, irresistible grace, perseverance of the saints. Pursue those doctrines in an understanding. It will blow your mind of God. It will make you feel uncomfortable. But beloved, listen, it will make you content about whatever he has placed in your life. You want to be able to celebrate Christmas this whole year long? Then there is the ingredient of contentment. But then number five, the ingredient of sharing. Look at verse 36. There was a prophetess by the name of Anna. It's interesting, again, we don't have a whole lot of details about her. We don't have an account in any of the other gospels that sheds more light onto her story, so we must be content with what Luke gives us. Tells us about her heritage, which would have been significant for the people who are reading this, daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. But it says she was advanced in years. This means that what is about to be said about her is not just a snapshot. These are the evidences of patterns. She lived with her husband for seven years from when she was a virgin and then was a widow until she was 84. So what this means is either she was married for seven years and then has been a widow for a long, long time or she's about 105 years old and she's been a widow for 84 years. But look at the pattern that she gives evidence of in verse 37. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping and fasting with prayer day and night. Doesn't mean she stayed there 24-7. It means that her days were comprised of patterns of faithful worship. Verse 38 just gives us, if you will allow me, to be able to give a, a commercial for God's sovereignty. It says, coming up at that very hour. Isn't that awesome? Simeon got ready in the morning, went to the temple where it would have been crowded. At just the right time, comes in contact with two peasant parents and a baby. Anna who had been longing to be able to see the fulfillment of the promises of the Old Testament, at the very hour she was in that very place, she began to give thanks to God, to speak of him, to all who were waiting for the redemption of Israel. My wife has been listening to the sermon series of John Piper preaching through the book of Hebrews. This last passage that uh, she heard him preach on, in fact, I think this was actually not Hebrews, it was the last Sunday at Bethlehem, he actually got to preach there. You can go out and listen to it. 
But he used some illustrations, and I want to borrow one of his as we close. He said, the gospel in his life goes a little something like this. It is as though you are a citizen of a kingdom, and you have violated the king's commands. There's no villain origin story. We're getting a lot of those, aren't we? We're getting villain origin stories where we're seeing that maybe something bad in their past happened or maybe some conflict in their life moved them to be a villain. But that's not the case with us. We, we were villains and we violated the king's law because that's who we are. And we've tried to get away with it. We've, we've tried to be able to hang out in the shadows. We've tried to be able to deflect the activities that we've done as though we have justification for doing them. But finally, it has caught up with us. And finally, the king has brought us to court and he has pronounced a right judgment of us that condemns us to hanging. And our fellow citizens gather. And we're in the courtyard. And the king is on his throne and he reads the verdict of judgment. And we are walked to the gallows with the noose hanging before us. And we realize that in a few Moments we will enter eternity. But just as that noose is begun to be put uh, on your neck, there's a voice from the crowd, and out from that crowd comes a robed individual with a crown on his head. And you recognize that individual, that is the king's son. And he comes and he quiets the crowd down and he says, Jeff is pronounced innocent. Jeff, you may go. But it doesn't stop there. He puts the noose around his own neck. And he nods to the executioner who trips the door. And the prince dangles and draws his last breath. As you walk off that platform, you remember that that's not all the prince told you. He said, You are forgiven. Go tell people about it. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Friend, have you been forgiven? Have you received the payment for your sins that Christ offered at the cross? Have you received the benefits of the victory over sin and death that he won through his resurrection? The only way you receive that is by asking forgiveness for your sins and surrendering your life to him. Have you done that? Friend, that is the most important ingredient for you to be able to truly celebrate Christmas all year long. But then if you have, are there any of these five ingredients that maybe have been put in the pantry for you? Maybe have not been accessed for a while. Maybe the ingredient of priority. Maybe the ingredient of ongoing regular analysis. Maybe the ingredient of faithfulness or contentment, or maybe for you, like me, there's an opportunity to grow in the ingredient of sharing. 
But friend, let's, as we sing this song, as we spend some time reflecting and praying, let's move this learning into living. And may we ensure that in 2022, all of these ingredients are present. And if we do, we will be joining together this time next year. If God wills, having celebrated Christmas every day of 2022.